Happy Father's Day. I'm really glad you're with us this Father's Day. By God's design, both moms and dads are crucial for his plan for the family, for it to be fully functioning. Many in our culture, though, are claiming more and more that genders and family roles are like interchangeable pieces of the puzzle that you can move around. But in the Bible, moms and dads are both crucial. They're not interchangeable parts. So we celebrate fatherhood today. Dads, you play a crucial role in your family, so I want to charge you to be proactive in discovering, in light of Scripture, what your role is, and then play it well. Ask God to help you play your role well. Last week, I talked about how important it is to know that you have salvation. It's agonizing to be unsure in your relationship with God, and it unsettles you to the core of your being. In fact, I believe not being sure of where you stand with God and whether or not you're saved drives many of the pursuits for meaning that are much lesser than knowing God and walking with him and fulfilling his purpose for your life. So today, I want to make sure you know what the Bible says about knowing for sure that you are saved. If you never nail down whether you're saved or not for sure, then you don't make progress in the Christian life. It's like playing a game of hopscotch. You never get past the first square, and that's agonizing. That's frustrating. But God has growth for us. If we nail down our assurance of salvation, and then we begin to trust him as we walk through life together with him. So it's important to know, and God wants you to be sure that you have eternal life. First John 5, 11 through 13, actually the book of First John was written to help people know for sure that they are saved. And here's where you find this out. This is where he states the goal of his entire book. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. It is possible to know for sure that you have eternal life. It's not arrogant to say because you haven't done anything to earn your salvation. We have salvation by grace or unmerited favor from God. We haven't done anything to earn our salvation. It's a gift. God has given us eternal life, this passage says. It's not because we are good enough that we're saved, but because Jesus was good for us, like we talked about last week. This life is in his son. I grew up singing this hymn 
in church. Blessed assurance, and like many of the old hymns, the words are very instructive. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. He who has the Son has life. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. We get a taste of life in Christ now, but the whole banquet in heaven later on. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. We have an inheritance in heaven that will not fade, and that is what we look forward to in this day. I'm born of his spirit, washed in his blood. That is an incredibly instructive hymn. John explains that eternal life is a gift from God. It's because we're born of his spirit and washed in his blood. It's not anything we've done to gain forgiveness, to earn the approval of God. God has given us eternal life, it says here. We've done nothing to earn it. So we're not being proud to say we're sure of our salvation, but we can be sure because God has shown us how to be sure. That last phrase in the hymn, born of his spirit, is important for our purpose today because we gain assurance by see, seeing the fruit of the Spirit's presence in us. Romans eight fifteen and 16 says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. If we receive Jesus and believe in him like we talked about last week, we become the children of God. We are born of his spirit. And the spirit of God affirms that we are God's children. It's a great thing. What he does is he whispers deep in our hearts that we are God's children. He the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And one way that the Spirit bears witness in us is he convicts us of sin. When you decide to follow Christ, you realize wrong that you have never realized before. It just didn't bother you before. So, now you struggle with sin, whereas before you decided to follow Christ and before the Holy Spirit entered your heart and life, you just went ahead and dove into sin because you weren't bothered by it. You just weren't. This struggle turns out to be encouraging. It's described in Galatians 5, 16 and 17. It's when you stop, stop struggling that you should be concerned. That's that's when the problems start. So if you're trying to appease God by doing enough to keep him happy, uh, conviction of sin is very disturbing. It's, it's hard in that scenario to admit that you're doing wrong. 
But your salvation and your growth is not due to your goodness. Not It's not due to whether you're living up to what you think is important in the Christian life. It's not due to your goodness, but his goodness. The goodness that Jesus Christ has shared with us. The righteousness he has imputed to us on his behalf. And you can always fall back on the grace of God. So let's look now at the fruit of the Spirit's presence in me. And this is, this is one thing you begin to recognize this fruit in you and you gain assurance as you walk with God through the years. And I would expect slow and gradual prog- progress as you look for the fruit of the Spirit in your life. If you recognize some fruit, be encouraged. If there are changes going on and you recognize there's a difference in you, be encouraged by that. You're not going to bat a 1,000. Nobody is perfect. A major league hitter who bats 300 is considered a solid player. They're like all-stars if you bat that year after year. And one thing to notice or one thing to realize is the amount of fruit we will see in our lives is in direct proportion to our cooperation with God. Now, I, I talked about my avocado trees in succession last week, and one of the trees I planted got sunburned. I had no idea that that could happen. But it got sunburned, and all the leaves turned brown, and it died. And what I realized is avocado trees, when they grow up naturally, they they are shaded. The younger trees are shaded by the older trees. And so I needed, that's reality. Reality is the way it is, and as an Avocado farmer, I had to cooperate with reality. That's the way it is in our walk with God. I had to learn to cooperate with the way things are. They actually are not the way I want them to be. And if you cooperate with God, you will start to see the fruit of his presence in you. Let's look at some of the fruit that comes by the Holy Spirit's presence in you. Something you see growing in you, some things you see growing in you are new desires. John wrote the book of 1 John because he wanted Christians to know that they have eternal life. And so you can go back through some of the key passages and he tells you how to recognize the Holy Spirit's work in your life. 1 John 2, 3 through 6 says, we know that we have come to know him. If we have, if we obey his commands, the man who says, I know him, but doesn't not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Now, you're not going to walk exactly the way Jesus did, but that's our goal. And you're going to mess up. You and I both are going to mess up. 
But there is a new hunger to do what God wants, to obey him. And those desires stir in you after you commit your life to follow Christ and the Holy Spirit enters into your life. Overall, you're, you're growing in obedience in spite of temporary setbacks. You're going to have those. You, you're going to have lapses. But God's Spirit gives you a new heart to obey Him. And, and that's something that just wells up in you after you decide to follow Christ. And, and you can, you can be encouraged if that's happening in you. Take a moment to ask yourself, is there a basic desire in my life to obey God? You aren't going to be aware of the changes the Holy Spirit is making in you day by day. It's not in the day, in the moment, that you're going to realize the the changes. You might see them looking back over months as you walk in obedience, but you will definitely see them looking back over the years. That's That's when you identify them. I am a completely different person than I was when I married Cindy. Just ask her. <laughs> she will tell you for sure. Secondly, so first he brings new desires and they well up in you to obey God. Second, the Holy Spirit motivates you to have new associates. 1 John 4, 20-21 If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. So when you become a follower of Christ, you enter into the family of God. You become one of his children. And there's a love that he gives you for everyone, for your neighbor, and also for the the church community, for the family of God. You begin to want to pull into the church family as you continue in your walk with God. There's a real pull to it. Not that you're going to not get frustrated with members of the church and want to take your ball and go home, possibly. But there is a definite pull toward involvement in the church community. Now, I have a greater interest in being with other Christians who will encourage my growth than I did before I decided to follow Christ. This is because... At a heart level, we value the same things. The most important relationship we have, our relationship with God through Jesus Christ, is a common bond that we have in Jesus Christ. And so, I I may not really enjoy every Christian, and I might not be their best bud, There may be conflict and struggle. I I may not 
click with everybody in the church community. But when you and I obey the command to love one another in the church, our heart grows bigger. It has been one of the most valuable things that I have chosen to do with God's help is to love people who are extremely different than me because my heart has grown bigger and I've been blessed by the different relationships that I have. So ask yourself, do I have a growing desire to be involved with God's people? If you do, it's the Spirit of God drawing you into his church community, into his life-changing community. If you don't, if you don't have that desire to be a part of the church and you're a follower of Christ, you likely have some things to work through. There may be an offense to work through that you need to clear up or you need to pursue working out and forgiving someone. Um, before the desire to pull into the church community it will return, you got to work that out. You got to work whatever it is out because there's a kink in the flow. This is crucial because the fruit of the spirit will not start growing again if you have quenched the flow of the spirit in your life. It all flows from him. The life he intends us to have and enjoy flows from the spirit of God. And we need to make sure that the, there's not a knot in the flow of our, our walk with God. So next, the Spirit grows the fruit of change character in you and I as we decide to follow Christ as he enters into our life. Galatians 5, and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. The Spirit's presence in a person grows this kind of fruit. Real fruit, it cannot be manufactured. It, it, it grows over time, and you have to wait for the harvest. Plastic or waxed fruit just doesn't taste that great. And it, it's, it's manufactured. And the real fruit of the Spirit that comes from cooperating with Him, that's where it's from. It's from Him, and it's tasty. It's enjoyable. Like real fruit, though, the fruit of the Spirit grows indirectly. The farmer has things he can do in order to grow a crop. He can give it enough sun and water, make sure it it has the right and nutrients he he plows he he plants these things are all key to growing stuff but it's god who ends up growing the fruit this is the way he's made life to work for the farmer and it's the way it works in us as well it's the same spiritually we we have things we can do to grow they involve using the resources that God has provided for growth. The Word of God, the Bible, prayer, um, fellowship, 
with other believers in a church community and ministry or service. These are the key ways that God grows us in uh, his character. As you keep immersing yourself in these things, you grow. But it happens indirectly. It's not it's not something you can control. You cannot will yourself to grow in character. But God grows it in you as you use the resources he makes available for you to use to grow. Spiritual growth is not self-improvement. It's change for the better brought about by the Spirit of God who grows his fruit in you. So think about it. Over time, am I bearing the fruit of his character in my life? It's common to define a real Christian by what they do and focus then on their behavior. We ask things like, would a real Christian do or think that? Um, when we do this, though, we we have things backwards. Sometimes we focus on behavior and we try to manufacture the fruit of the Spirit and we try to make our lives look full of the fruit of the Spirit. And, and that's just kind of what we do. When we do this, we come up with a plastic joy, plastic love, plastic peace, plastic goodness. It's just, it's just fake, and it doesn't taste good. It's a synthetic copy of something very, very real. And to pull this off, we have to deny what's really going on. And we don't end up dealing with what's really going on rightly because we're denying it. We're, we're faking it. If you lack peace, joy, patience, the fruits of the Spirit, take responsibility and admit that you're blowing it and ask God to help you learn to cooperate with him and do that. Ask him to work in you to grow the fruit of the Spirit in you and and there's this pattern. You you realize that you've been wrong. You confess it to God and anyone else you've wronged. And then you ask him, you surrender to him, and ask him to lead you forward. And that pattern over time is the way that fruit grows. So many times I have given up on manufacturing the fruit and then surrendered, and God brings the fruit over time. That's the way it works. One of the fruits of the Spirit in the list there is goodness. There is a desire to do good that just wasn't there before. God, good works flow out of what God's Spirit grows in our hearts. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for beforehand that we should walk in them. This is a part of our destiny as followers of Christ, to do good works. He's, he's created us for them. And in my experience, 
I have an unexplainable pull toward doing good that I didn't have before I decided to follow Christ and before the Holy Spirit entered into my life. I'm just not that good on my own. That is the, that is the truth, if you want to know. I, I look back over the course of my life, and it's like someone else was living through me. And to the extent that I was seeking to obey the Lord, that's exactly what was happening. He has been living through me to that extent. He gets credit for all the good that I've done in my life, and I take responsibility for all the wrong. And and that's the way God grows the fruit in me. If you aren't yet a follower of Christ, I hope this helps you see where he's going to lead you if you decide to follow him. He's going to he's going to grow things in you that help you in every arena of life. And it's it's a blessing. So, I want to encourage you make sure you planted the seed of the gospel in you. I've I mentioned two ways to live last week. Uh, and actually, I walked through a lot of the the content of that little booklet, but it's online, twowaystolive.com. We've posted that at the end of this message in the next steps. And I encourage you to look look through that booklet, look through that presentation online if you have never committed your life to follow Christ. And it will explain how to do that. And then pray a prayer and plant the seed. That's that's where the growth begins in the Christian life. Galatians 24 and 25 says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. We get out of step with the Spirit. Let's face it. We get out of step. And when we do, we we need to get back in step. And a, a part of staying in step with the Spirit is what it says here in this passage. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature. When you come to a fork in the road where you have what you want, your old sinful nature, your old ways, or what God wants, you keep choosing God's way. That's the way that you crucify the sinful nature. You crucify your old ways that way. Following Jesus is a commitment that you make in your heart that shows up in character and lifestyle over time. It takes time for the fruit to grow. No one else can see into your heart. But I want to encourage you to... Plant the seed by praying to receive Christ. And over time, you will begin to see the fruit grow. You'll, you, you will see some changes immediately as the Holy Spirit works in you and creates new desires in you to obey God and, and do good. Um, but I want to encourage you to make sure you've planted the seed in you. It, we have, we're going to have a baptism service uh, later this year. And baptism doesn't save you at all. It's, it's 
an outward symbol of the commitment that we've made to follow Christ. But Jesus commanded his followers to be baptized once they have decided to follow Christ. After that, he commands us to be baptized. You see that in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. But what baptism does, it's a public step of obedience that Jesus asked us to take. And one purpose it serves is like a flag. All of this happens underground. It happens in our heart. We can't see into the hearts of other people. But baptism is like putting a flag into the ground that they put when there's underground pipe so that you don't dig in the wrong place. There's little flags that stick up in the ground. And that's the purpose of baptism, I, I believe. You, you, It's an outward thing that you do that shows that you've made the commitment in your heart. It shows where the commitment is real in your heart. And so I want to encourage you to consider that if you haven't been baptized Consider that as we offer it later in the year. You're going to get out of step with the Spirit. That's why we're told here, keep in step with the Spirit. You and I are going to get out of step. But when we realize it, we need to get back in step because the good and tasty fruit of the Spirit flows from walking with him, in step with the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit enters your life, his fruit begins to grow in you, and it, it, it is really good fruit, and it helps us in every arena of life. And if you haven't decided to follow Christ, I want to encourage you to do so today. Here are some next steps I'm going to suggest. My next step today is to, for the first time, I accept Jesus as my Savior and commit to follow him as Lord. There's the the way to connect to two ways to live. It's two ways to live spelled out to, not the number two, but two, T-W-O, ways to live dot com. You can find out more about the story of the gospel that I walked through last week there. Today, another step might be, Today, I've realized I'm out of step, and I want to get back in step with the Spirit. So do that. Confess your wrong. Confess how you've been out of step. Ask God to fill you again with his Spirit and set your heart to please him. And then I'm going to explore membership at Church in the Valley, since this is an important step. It's... Church membership, being a part of a church community and a fellowship, is one of the key resources that God has given for our growth. And so that's an important step. And so I want to encourage you to take that step, explore it, and and figure out what it means. We're going to have some things coming up that will help you understand what's involved in church membership. But the goal is to be connected to the body of Christ so that God can use that to grow the fruit in you over time. 
glad you're here this morning or today, whenever you're listening to this online. And I want to ask you to pray with me right now. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for the way you made life to work, for helping us know how to be saved, how to be sure that we're saved. And I pray that you would help us all to settle this issue in our heart today, right now, and give ourselves to you, plant the seed, and learn to identify the fruit that you're growing in us. And bless us, God, and help us as we set out to follow you over this week ahead. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.